Hello, hello. Good morning, evening, and afternoon, everyone. This is Jessica Kupferman here with She Podcast. Good morning. Hello. Um, I'm here, as always, with my co-host and beautiful gazelle friend, Elsie Escobar, and our producer, John Jamingo. And then we also have a special guest star, Daniel J. Lewis. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I have never heard the music so slow before. Is it slow for you? It oh, is. because you're double timing our show, right? Yeah, I'm a pod right. speeder. Ooh. Oh, it must sound much more cool the way you hear it. <laughs> oh, the Elsie's tooltips part is one of the best ones. It's Elsie's tooltips. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the news for every podcaster. <laughs> that must be way better than how it actually is. Well, you're well, going to be like the energy that today. we have. The energy that we have right now, then it must seem kind of slow. It must seem as if we are in. I don't know. Super talking like this to you right now. It's a weird thing. I think I've heard some other people say this, too, that, yes, although when they listen to someone on a podcast in high speed versus listening to them live, it doesn't sound natural. But when they talk to the person, then it seems natural. And I think that's the same for me is that since we're having a dialogue, it doesn't seem unnatural. I'm not here like, hey, 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 hey. But only because you're part of the conversation. Yes. (laughs) If you were eavesdropping, it would be like, oh, my God, speed it up. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's fine. I mean, I yeah, totally get it. Is, I totally that, get that. That is for sure what it is. For the, yes. All right. So oh, uh, we can just so pop hot. right into the news. We have some news for you today, quite a few things. And then uh, it looks like some stuff. I mean, we are we did have Daniel on for a specific reason. He's yes, been doing do. some really interesting research. And then we actually have a tooltip for you. So off we go, I guess. For the informed podcaster, podcasting news. All right. So, no, I think that we should kind of uh, circle back on this first uh, story that we have here. Uh, again, from Vulture, because I went back through our archives, Jess, and I, I dug up when we first covered this story. So when we first talked about this specific story, it was in July last year. So it was towards the end of July. And it was episode 206, Beach, Bugs, and Twitter Deaths. And if you guys want to listen to what we had to say at that time, it starts at the 22-minute mark over on episode 26. And it was, again, another uh, article from Vulture that discussed this. But here's an update from these ladies. The article this time around is called Why Three Friends Created a New Podcast Network by Women for Everyone. And they also did a Kickstarter, Jess. Remember? I think you talked about a, lo- a little bit about it then. They did a $25,000 Kickstarter. They fulfilled our goal at about a little bit over $26,000. And they wanted to get the twenty uh, that first funding to get these shows on board. And when we had the conversation initially, we we kind of talked about it from the perspective of like, is it really news that there's another network for women out there? I mean, is it really <laughs> news? Really? Is it? Is it? And so what we ended up (laughs) landing on is is something that I was driving, like, because I had just come back or I was, yeah, I had just come back from podcast movement. And it was all about the fact that there aren't very many women in executive positions, in the positions of, of power making and all that kind of stuff. So we decided that this was very, very good because they get an opportunity to say yes. 
But now they have launched with how many podcasts did I, does it say there again? Twelve, four of which you can listen to right now uh, with Margaret Cho, Kimmy Gatewood, Asha Davis and Leslie Arfin, Camilla Blackett and three Aerios founders. Plus, there's a bunch of guests on upcoming appearances like Diablo Cody, Kate Berlant, John Early, Natasha Rothwell, Jonathan Van Ness. Kate, oh, my God. Kat Von D and Natasha Leggero. Leggero? I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, I only know a few of those names. I know Diablo Cody. Do you know who that is? Nope. She's a writer. She wrote something that you know. Hold on. Diablo Cody. Juno. That's right. She wrote Juno. Juno. The movie Juno. Yeah. But what I'm saying to you now, though, is that those people that you're telling me right now, those are guests. I know. They're not even podcasters. I know. Right. I do know Margaret Cho. Yeah. Everyone knows Margaret Cho. But who are these other people? I don't know. Is that your point? No, that's not my point. Oh. I'm just saying that they've launched. Ta-da. Ta-da. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I guess here's the thing, though. And I in that article, that it's a really long article. It's, a, it's sort of like a transcription of a conversation. And one of the things that really resonated with me was them talking about the fact that they took their developed shows to a lot of networks. And the minute that they took it to the networks, the network said, you know, that's a really good idea. Let's develop that. And they were like... No, Shit. it's done. Yeah, It's done. It's over. It's like, here's the thing. You either take it or you don't. And they were really upset by the fact that nobody would just do their show. They just wanted to have their show, not to develop for a year, none of that stuff. So they decided to create a network where they could just do the stuff they wanted without all the stuff. All the Why did they need a network for that exactly? Because nobody would take them. So the only reason they needed a network and a Kickstarter is so that they could do it at the same level as yeah. what the networks were doing? I believe so, yes. I feel like they should have gotten more money then. What do you think they spent the money on? What's what's the twenty five thousand for? Their own salaries? I think that they have it in that they have it in the Kickstarter. Oh. They broke it out. What's Let's the see. money going for? To develop right. oh, and then this is the other thing that they really helped out to get the women that were needing a little bit more editing, getting them done. So there's a quote there in the show notes there, Jess. And everybody else, if you want to read that along too. But it says, you know, it says, quote, well, so, help cover the launch with a starting slate of six to eight shows. That's it. Right. But the, he, hold, hold up, yo. So here's the quote. <laughs> quote. So just having a group of people that want to support you just with the tech aspect of podcasting, then helping with every step of the way. And then after we launch, helping with promotion, all that stuff is really valuable. That's why people want to be on a network, end quote. So they essentially provide what most people are looking for when they're looking for a network. I mean, you know that we've seen in She Podcast all the time. People are like, I want to be part of a network. I need help. Their expectations that they're going to be part of a network. And they're going to have everybody help them do stuff. And I know one person that's on the call right now that actually ran a network. Oh, who could that be? Ran or runs? Let me search my noodle. Ran. 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 Noodle Mix Network is officially retired now. Okay. So, which is really great. I mean, I mean, great. Not that it's retired, but that that you can give us a little bit of understanding. Because I think some of these women are putting together something that is really helping each other, not only with existing shows, but developing new shows and getting their tech stuff done and all the promotional things and putting them out there. So, what do you think is the job of a network provider? I think it's the behind the scenes work, really, that a network should provide. And in this article, they do mention also distribution and promotion. And those are big aspects of a network that like when I ran Noodle Mix Network with some of the shows we had in it, like including the Productive Woman 
beyond the to-do list, my own shows and a couple other shows in there. Those shows were hosted by those individuals and they were creating their own content. They were even producing their own content, covering some of their own expenses. Well, their main media hosting expenses they were covering. But then everything beyond that, I tried to provide through the network. I even offered uh, John as an editor for them. And then I would cover those expenses that would come out of their advertising uh, revenue that they brought to the network. But it was providing those things that they did not necessarily have the resources to accomplish on their own. I think that the reason our podcasts, every year that we tried, we always got a few of our podcasts from the network in the finalists for the podcast awards. And uh, one year, one of the podcasts even won those awards. My podcast did, which was just amazing. But that couldn't have been done without the power of the network, where all of these shows together were cross-promoting each other and saying, vote for all of these shows on our network and nominate these shows. And uh, that's the power that you get when you work with more people. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And networks can provide that. Uh, Adam Curry says something often in his podcast, Adam Curry being the founder of podcasting, one of the co-founders, co-creators. He says, you can't monetize the network. And I think there is some truth to that where, Jess, you know this with your working with your own ad agency and then with uh, True Native Media. Mm -hmm. Some of these individual podcasters can make more money negotiating the ads on their own than if they're going through a network or an advertising agency. And when there's a network involved and an agency involved, that starts taking cuts from what the podcaster can earn. Yeah, that's true. But yet a network has more sway. They can say, hey, they can approach a a sponsor and say, hey, let's get you on these five relevant shows instead of there's just one podcaster being the, the small single voice saying, hey, can you sponsor my show? There is a lot of power in the networks, but I don't think everyone needs that power. Right. I think that the problem that I, not the problem, and I think that AREOs, it's a very hard thing to say. I think I'm hats off to these women that are putting these things together and, and getting shows out there that I, they're not being like developed in the way that we see, you know, they essentially said, hey, you reached out to my really smart and talented friends. If you guys have an idea, let's put it on the show. Let's put it on the network. Let's try it. And so they're really opening it up from that perspective of getting like different types of stories out there or different types of shows out there. But I think what the problem is, is that we as podcasters think that a network is going to be the solution to finding an audience. And most uh, podcasters are looking for it so that they can be like, oh, if I'm part of this network, my numbers will immediately grow. And then the network head is going looking at this podcast going, you don't have very much audience like at all. Well, and the other thing is how many different definitions we as podcasters have for network. Like That's right. Like, Daniel, you have a traditional network, but there are a lot of networks out there that want you to pay $500 a month to be a part of their network. That's their business model. And then you have your show on their website, and then you direct all your traffic and your audience to their website so they reap all the benefits that you're building and you're paying them for the privilege to do so, which is the worst idea I think ever in the history of podcasting. And people are just like, oh, but it's such a good idea. And they're going to put me on their network. And and it's like it never once occurs to them to look at their the network's audience numbers or the network's traffic or the network's Facebook page or Twitter. And usually it's like 30 people. It depends on what the network is providing. You look at uh, Glenn Hebert with Horse Radio Network. 
And I believe every show does pay to be part of his network, but he is providing direct services to He's them. also providing advertisers, but these are people who... I mean, I just feel like these are people who are a little more users. You're right. I mean, Glenn has a traditional he has a traditional network as well. I mean, I know they pay for the privilege, but yeah, he's providing a huge audience. I'm talking about people who have no audience who decided to start a network so that they could just get money and an audience from the podcaster, which I think sucks. So I think when people are looking at being part of a network, they have to be very careful what they're exactly getting. What the network says they're giving is not always the same as what they're actually getting. And what they're giving up is also really important. Right. Because it's better to build your own traffic on your own website, on your own networks, on your own social. If you're giving that away and then you decide you don't want to be part of the network anymore, well, you have to start from scratch all over again. That's something that with Noodle Mix Network, I designed it so that that would not happen. I wanted the individual podcasters branding to be first. And that kind of came at the cost of the network because when the network retired, it didn't affect the audience at all the audience right. wasn't like, oh, I'm so sad because all the podcasts are continuing. All the domains are still there. All the websites mm-hmm. are still there. So it didn't hurt the podcasters for the network to end. And it didn't right. hurt their connection with their audience either. Yeah. But part of your service was you give them each a website, a beautiful website. Yeah. And, and back end and premium tools that yeah. they had uh, that they otherwise couldn't afford on their own. Yeah. So you had something where you were actually giving something away to people that they needed and wanted as opposed to people who don't need it, but want it because they're silly (laughs) and trying to shortcut. I mean, it's just it's just what they say about shortcuts. Shortcuts are always the long way around for whatever reason. You can't shortcut success, especially in this industry. Yeah. But at the same time, though, we'll keep an eye out on Arios. Arios to see what they're doing and how their shows do and how this network really does start to work because their idea for the shows that they want out there too, that are especially women led is really strong, really good. They have a lot of really strong women that are leading the charge. So we'll keep an eye on, on them and I'll listen maybe to what, I don't even know what the shows are. I, I didn't see what the names are, but maybe I'll come find whatever is available there and see, see if I like it. Here are their featured shows. Filling the Void, Foxy Brown's, The Margaret Foxy Cho. Foxy Brown! Pleasure sorry, Studies. Sorry. I, I don't know any of these. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> neither do I. <laughs> they just came Foxy out. Foxy Brown is um, Pam Greer. Ah. Uh-huh. You still don't know who I'm talking You have no idea who I'm talking about, do you? I do, but I'm old. <sighs> yeah, I think we have she's to be older old than to me, know that. Do you know who Pam Greer is, Elsie? I think she's asking. Me? Yes. yes. You do? Yeah. Okay, I was just curious. Okay. Daniel, you're not that, you're the same age, aren't you? I'm in my mid-30s. Oh, you're not. He's a youngin'. You're a young man. Oh, who knew? You're amongst the middle-aged people. Barely, though. Barely. That sounds so weird. Middle-aged. Barely. Barely middle-aged. I think that part is the important part. (laughs) All I know is that Uh, I'm almost, I'm closer right now to getting my, what is it? The, the savings. Yes. I'm getting <laughs> to getting the savings. If I go anywhere, I'll be like 55 and over sooner than I would anything else. You can go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a free plain donut. Oh. Well, they're just trying to kill you off faster, I guess. Huh. Jeez. All right. What good is that? Anyway. All right. So moving on. We are now moving on to the next story. And then this one. Oh, my gosh. This one's all about... China is now cracking down on podcasts. Yes. So this is an uh, this was all over the place, but the article that's going to be in the show notes is from QZ.com. And this is the opening 
paragraph. Quote, China is cracking down on a number of podcast hosting platforms and apps as Beijing grows increasingly wary of opinions that the regime deems as out of line with the ruling Communist Party's official narratives in any format. End quote. How's about that for the government coming in and squashing down RSS? I mean, they're well, not, not squashing RSS, us. Really. They're only right. squashing it in China, right? Yeah. So well, of course. it's a shame, but I don't know that it's a shock because no. they're communists. They're allowed to make rules about what can and can't be available to the public. That's what communism is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You just got to follow. You got to stay. Stay in line. <laughs> Stay in, stay in line. Stay in you line. Get a hold of. Well, I guess it, they they didn't want these apps to um, with allegedly spreading pornography or ACG culture, which mm. is animation, comics, and games. Oh, Japanese originating Manga. in the Japanese, and probably the most surprising historical nihilism. I mean, I guess we report on this stuff under the assumption that like just because they're communists means that they're rational. Like, do we forget that China is a communist nation? Like, I just love how Americans are like, they're cracking down because they think everything is against the regime and pornography. Well, yeah, it's because they're not a democracy. <laughs> What'd you guys think? I mean, and Himalaya is one of the people who, you know, all their stuff was pulled out of uh, China iTunes or whatever. It's like, well, what do you got going on in there? Because if it's not communism, yay, they're going to take it out. <laughs> if you're not communism friendly? Communism yeah. plus pro-communism. <laughs> Communism, yay. Comrade friendly. If you're not yay dynasty, then, you know, you're going to get booted. It just seems to make sense. I mean, we're not that far from that, are we? Anyway. Uh, sadly, no. I know. Well, that's what where everybody's trying to be like, no, 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 none of that, none of that. That's not. Yes. My big question is, so now there's these apps like Himalaya and other ones that are coming out of China. And do we have to worry about that? Because is there anything that they can backdoor into that? Or I don't know, but it's just... Like what? I don't know. I don't know enough to know enough, but it makes me nervous to use software or apps or anything like that that comes from China. Technically, it does not come from China. They're based in San Francisco. The U.S. office is San Francisco, not China. I mean, obviously, it wouldn't be China if it's the U.S. office, but like... Who pays for it? They were funded by Zimalaya, which is the Chinese version mm. of google yeah but and they just raised a hundred million dollars so yeah i mean i know it's being funded by zimalaya and they also did they did do some kind of intranet work for the communist party of china zimalaya did not himalaya but like and there's no but i mean they're chinese what do you think they should be america i mean they're not american they're chinese chinese their politics are communism but i'm saying like that doesn't mean they're going to try and turn the u.s and they can't make us communists I guess I'm wondering, like, do you think that they can put like some kind of subliminal communist rhetoric into the podcast you're listening to? Like, like if you play it backwards, it's like the devil. <laughs> Backmasking returns like in if podcasting. You, like if you like if you speed it up on double speed, it'll start saying you need a leader. <laughs> Democracy is terrible. <laughs> what are you afraid of? What exactly are you afraid of? The Chinese. I'm afraid of the Chinese. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm not afraid of Chinese people. I'm afraid of the Chinese government, which is funding a lot of this stuff. That's But all. they don't have control yeah. over our government. No, I mean, I understand what you're saying. And I mean, I have, I mean, you know, there's trepidation because, you know, Himalaya is kind of a little bit of a mysterious company, but they do have very, 
noble intentions for what they're doing here with the Himalaya app. And like, you know, they want to help podcasters and specifically women monetize their podcast in an easy and user-friendly way. And the Himalaya app is actually really nice and clean to use. It's really nice. Yeah, it is. It's nice and easy to use. And see, here's the other thing too, because imagine like you're just trying to create amazing stuff in the world and you have all these ideas and you have the capability, you have the tech support, you have the money, the funding, you've got the smarts, you've got a a team of people who are really um, progressive and looking at like great innovation and things like that. And then you're just doing, you just make choices, you want to do it. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere comes like, I mean, not out of nowhere, but you know, the government stops it. It must be so frustrating. I don't think that Everybody in China is just like, no, they don't want to be part of, they don't want to be censored, but that's their government. But I guess what I'm saying is like, I I mean, isn't it possible that like the company funded Himalaya to kind of like grow in a culture that's not being, what's the word when you put? Censored. Yeah. Thank you. You're like. (laughs) Duct tape over the mouth. I mean. (laughs) No, I get it. Yeah. And that that's that's probably it. I mean, that's a great way because they still I mean, obviously, mind you, we are not heard in China already anyway right. because we are a an explicit show, Jess. I mean, the next paragraph, like the crackdown highlights the ever shrinking space for freedom of expression and media under President uh, Xi Jinping, the most powerful Chinese leader since Mao Zedong. Since Xi came into power, Xi, sorry, since Xi came into power in 2012, outspoken citizens have been silenced more frequently, human rights lawyers jailed in a crackdown, and increased restrictions placed on the internet and broadcast television. I mean, and it's certainly not like, well, I'm not saying that the people of China are like, yay, communism, but I'm saying that doesn't mean I'm surprised that their government is doing this. But I also don't think he can do that here. He can do that to people who are living here. He can't do that to people who are working here or based here. So like. So they're still out. They're still like out. I mean, it's worldwide. It sucks for them. It's not fair for the citizens of China. It sucks. Right. I think a legitimate concern that John might have is with the Himalaya app. Where it could be like, look at Yahweh, the handset manufacturer, and all of the controversy now over that and their spy technologies possibly being in that. Yeah, I could see mm. someone possibly wanting to try and sneak that into a podcast app. Are they doing that? I don't know. I'm not going to say China's spying on us through a podcast app, but it's possible. However, you look at how restrictive Apple is in what right. they allow and how much exactly. they audit their apps. And once they discover that there's a privacy concern, Apple is very quick to take it out of the store and prevent further distribution of the app. So I think there's that concern. I'm kind of wondering on the other side, how is China going to enforce this? Are they going to block all Libsyn servers and Blueberry servers so no podcast can be downloaded from there? Are they going to block any podcast app or the, the most popular apps used in China? Or are they just against Japanese manga and that's it? Yeah. <laughs> is that the only offensive thing is like <laughs> Pokemon? Well, I think that it was a very specific. Also, um, Nick Kwa has covered the Chinese space very in, in depth. He's got like, you know what? I'll put that link in the show notes of one of the articles that I read from his, which was, again, super hugely long. So I was only able to read like three quarters. Oh we like to say detail. But, I know he is very detailed oriented. So he had an interview with somebody who is an expert in the podcasting space in China. And it's slightly different than the way that we do things here. There's a lot of um, the way that podcasting is in China is a little bit more around the app. 
it actually has mm. all of the things in the app. So there's a lot of apps that you can do all the things in. So you open it up, you can listen to audiobooks, you can listen to podcasts, you can actually create the content, they host the media, like all of the things inside of the app. And they develop communities around these apps and people like talk to each other in the apps and all of the stuff. So even the, the definition of podcast as having that RSS 2.0 feed that you can subscribe to is a little hazy because a lot of these shows exist within the app. And so the apps themselves are the ones that are being banned because of the content that's being created even within the app. It's sort of like slightly more towards YouTube than Overcast, right? Because Overcast, it's just a distribution type app. YouTube is a little more, it's got all kinds of stuff happening to it. There's communications going on in there as well. So China has a little bit more of that. And that's what they're really trying to squelch is the messaging, I guess, that's going on user generated within those apps versus let's ban Okay, so they don't let any explicit content. You can't listen to She Podcasts. I actually don't know if you can subscribe via RSS if you were in China, but who knows? I've never tried it, but if somebody's in China and is listening or will go to China, <laughs> subscribe via RSS and let me know. But that's what's happening. So, Daniel, I don't think that they're going to be locking servers. I think that anything that's coming through those apps is what's going to be deterred. And even Apple Podcasts, you can't download all of the shows. Like, you won't be able to find any show that has been marked explicit. So in in a sense, Apple for sure is abiding by the rules of the country and is in fact censoring the content based on the country itself. China is actually not one of the uh, 17 or 18 countries that block explicit content. They're not? No. So that makes it more mysterious. Hmm. Oh my God. So tell us, tell us who are they? You made the list for me the other day when I asked you. Not the other day, quite a while ago. Well, that, that was the know. other day. It could have been twenty years ago, and that was the other, <laughs> the other day. The other day, as in not today. Uh, Bahrain, Belarus, Brun, Jerusalem. I I'm going to butcher some of these pronunciations. Uh, Burkina Faso, Chad, Egypt, India, Jordan, Lebanon, Nepal, Oman, Qatar. Saudi Arabia, Tunisia, United Arab Emirates, Uzbekistan, and Yemen. Oh, Yemen? Well, China's- Yemen? Yemen. Or Yemen. Yemen. Okay. <laughs> Yaman. It's Yemen. Yaman. Yaman. I just um, insulted some people probably. Right. <laughs> I know. <From> Jamaica. <laughs> Not that we don't do that on a daily basis here in the show. So we are listened to in China. How about, how's about that? So it's India. Then maybe in Asia, I confused all the Asian stuff. All right, Ski. Well, there's that. If anybody has any thoughts or, you know, feelings about what's happening with, with this, do email the show, feedback at shepodcast.com and let us know all the things if your thoughts are. But now we're getting to like the, the, the reason why Daniel is, is here. here on our show, who actually is the host of and host and provider of the Audacity to Podcast. And I'm saying provider because you also run your website, the Audacity to Podcast.com, because it's got a lot of information than just your shows. Yeah. It's got a lot of really in-depth um, articles on that on that website. So you guys, links in the show notes already. So Daniel wrote this article called Who Offers the Fastest Podcast Hosting with a subtitle of And Does It Really Matter? So <laughs> I started to read it and Daniel, truth be told. <laughs> <laughs> 
I looked at the pretty charts and I wanted to get to it and I just like really quickly scrolled all the way down and then it said like, you know, so Lipson and Blueberry are the fastest podcast host. I was like, oh, okay, there we go. Um, but because he really broke down how he did the study, like what he did and he, you kind of looked at all of the podcast hosts, like literally, I mean, most, I would say you got very close to almost all. Yeah. Uh, 32, I think at last count. And I love what they said about it in uh, the podcast business journal. I think Ed Ryan was the one who wrote up the, the little blurb about it. They said, quote, typically when Daniel starts what he calls a, quote, pet project, unquote, those of us that know Daniel know that it will not be a small project. Far from it. His latest pet project was to determine which hosting company offered the fastest and slowest hosting speed. So Daniel set out to test the speed of just a few hosting companies, 32 of them. Right, right. <laughs> just a little project you're working on. No big deal. So give us a scoop of like, number one, honestly, why did you start to do that? Was it just like you were just sitting and you're like, I just want to know, you know, because I get excited about some of this podcasting stuff differently than you get excited. You get excited by different things than I get excited about. But it was it like that. Was it like, woohoo, let's do this. Yeah, I just started thinking uh, I wanted to see how fast different feeds were because I was playing with some different web hosting companies, potentially moving my websites to a different host. And I started wondering, well, how much faster is Podcast Mirror than hosting my own WordPress feed? Or how much faster is FeedBurner compared to Podcast Mirror? And I started testing feed speeds, which in the episode and the article, I talk about why I realized that was kind of a moot point with the feed speeds. And they're all kind of the same, except SoundCloud. Of course, SoundCloud. They're slower <laughs> than everyone else. But then I realized, well, the real story is They're media. because. Yeah. Media is 30, 50, 100 megabytes, depending on how big and how high of quality you encode your episodes. So that's what's, I think, really the main story in, in podcast hosting speeds would be the media. So I just started changing the direction and, and testing that and discovered that there are some, the, the fast ones are really fast and there are some really ho slow hosting options out there and and then a side story about stats that we'll probably get into as well. Sorry. So it, it was a, a programming project. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get something oh. that is relevant. Something fell off the Sorry. bed. Yeah, when, okay. <laughs> being able to see you guys host your podcast is fun because then I can see like, uh, oh, there's a goat running around in Elsie's bedroom and she's probably got to chase that goat and I better keep talking to help cover for that. Or, yeah. <laughs> Did you see yeah, a goat? Well, she's in Pittsburgh. You didn't bring the goats uh, to Pittsburgh, did you? This isn't going to make the podcast, Daniel, but I got to tell you something. These two women right now are so well behaved because you're here, because normally <laughs> they're talking over each other. And That's not true. She's in Pittsburgh. We can hear when the other is not talking. Talking about you, young lady. I know you are. <laughs> I'm not trying to behave myself because Daniel knows better than to know that I would behave myself on his behalf. Okay. Am I right, Daniel? I try, but I mean, you know, for the most part, I'm myself no matter what. It's because Elsie is in a place where she can, we can hear each other talking and stopping. That's true, We can too. never okay. figure that out when she's in Carolina. All right. Now this has to stay That's in the show. True. In my defense. Yes, I know. And and we don't want to interrupt. Mind you, we always tangent in the middle of like a really strong point. Daniel's like making a really strong point that he really wants to continue on. And we're like, here, let's just talk about goats. 
And so that never ends. You know that video that came out a couple years ago of the the father who is on this really important like CNN news and his child comes in and then the wife literally bursts into the room. I love that. That's what I always imagine happens with Elsie and her kids and her goats, too. I just imagine the goat bursts into the room at some point. (laughs) (laughs) It happens all the time. Um, and yes, we always have to cut. No, but going back to what you were talking about, because you found some really interesting things when it comes to media. And one of the things that really intrigued me and the thing that I I was reaching out to this article that my friend actually sent me. via She actually sent it to me via snail mail. And it's this article called Fertile Future. Rural economies seeded with connectivity are bridging the digital divide and growing a local crop of tech-based businesses. And I mean, number one, does she know me or what? Because she's the only person who would cut this out while she's like in a different hotel and send it to me because she knows that this is a topic that I'm super passionate about. And the reason that I love that article is because it starts to talk about the way that bandwidth and infrastructure really affects building communities, building businesses, building education, build, you know, the basic stuff. And I think that as podcasters, a lot of us are like always talking about encoding your shows and making them really quality and having them, you know, be amazing and they have to sound this way. But we always take oh, out of the equation people who are really just trying to download the darn show and how long it takes to, the shows to download. So that was the part that I really was um, interested in, particularly the way that you 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 didn't just do this for the United States. I mean, you tested. How did you even do that? How did you <laughs> test the world? Very expensive airplane fare. the company i can host websites on and run servers on allows me to choose regions for each server that i implement so i created this script that would activate the servers in all 16 different regions eight of them uh, or seven of them being in the united states and then the others being across the world and so i could then run my program on that server to see how well it performed as if that server was someone subscribed to a podcast in that location. Although with a super fast multi gigabit connection, that's far faster than anything we have here in the U S and I think far faster than really anyone has on a home internet connection, but yet it still gave me that opportunity to see the raw speeds just running from servers in those, in those regions. And I found some interesting things about certain regions that tend to struggle with a lot of the host. So what, what did you find? Singapore, especially, a lot of the hosting companies really struggle with providing full bandwidth to Singapore, even including Libsyn and Blueberry. Now, they weren't as bad as Podomatic or uh, Podbean's cheapest plans. But what happened, and I learned this just recently from Todd Cochran of Blueberry, is that Singapore has certain taxes for data servers to be run in their country. So that's why often Singapore will be left out. And they'll just download then from whatever the next closest node is or maybe from the United States. And that can slow things down significantly. But there is that option for a lot of hosting companies or at least the good ones like Libsyn and Blueberry where you can say, hey, I want to make sure my audience can download my stuff quickly in Singapore as well. I'm willing to pay for that extra expense. And those companies can certainly provide that. Um, But it does show interesting things as well that especially here in America, we tend to think only about America. I mean, when we call the World Series, well, the isn't World that all that matters? Series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone else is a third-party country, a third country. Just uh, kidding. But 
uh, certain places like even just Australia or with uh, New Zealand, uh, a big country with uh, a lot of audience consumption there or podcast consumption there because it is another English speaking country. And some of these options were rather slow going to Sydney uh, while others were fast across the board. And, and it's something you need to think about. Like, even if you have a foreign language country, well, can a foreign language podcast, can your podcast be downloaded quickly in that country that they speak that language your podcast is in? If you're hosting your podcast in the United States and it's an English speaking podcast, is it something that can be downloaded quickly in all of the countries where English is the primary language? And of course, Sydney, New Zealand might struggle with that a little bit. Across the board, the, the companies that are the fastest, like Blueberry and Libsyn, even though they were slower in Singapore, it wasn't all that slower. Like, we're talking milliseconds, not minutes. Some of the, the places, though, like Red Circle, hosting your own media on SiteGround, for example, or archive.org, those are significantly slower because those are hosting the media in only one location in the entire internet, not propagating it out to local servers. But then like uh, Podomatic was super slow, the slowest in Singapore, where Podomatic might load a file in two seconds in the United States. And that's slow compared to Libsyn and Blueberry, who were 200 milliseconds. Super fast. And this is, again, this is through a server, not real world like Wi-Fi testing. But where Podomatic served quickly in the United States, in Singapore, it took them 171 seconds median to download the exact same file. And some other places were similar to that. Hundreds of seconds, even though it's, it's shocking to see that huge spike on the chart, as I explained early in the article and in the episode, It may not necessarily matter because most of us aren't aware of our podcast episodes downloading. It just downloads in the background and it's there for us. And as long as it's downloading more quickly than it plays, then it's fine. As long as someone can tap play and start listening almost right away, it's fine, I think. There are some considerations, though, that when you see a company where their hosting service is really slow, then you might have to start worrying about, well, what if 10 people are downloading this file at the same time or 20 or 100 or 1,000 people? That's when I think these charts would look differently. And I can't test for those situations. But where if you're hosting with SiteGround, for example, you put your media file on SiteGround, it's living in one place on the internet. So if 1,000 people are trying to request that same file at the same time, there's just not the bandwidth there for it to serve a thousand people, but Libsyn, Blueberry, some of these others, I do have that kind of bandwidth. So it's, it kind of shows not direct results that you can expect your audience would get, but does let you know you're more likely to get a better consistent experience with these fast hosting companies than with these slow ones. And then there's the whole stats thing too, which we'll get into in a minute, I guess. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting too, though, for me, well, for me, that's my issue. Like there's so many different times when I'm downloading it, like the latest episode of whatever podcast I'm into at that time comes out. And some, there's some podcast I want to listen to as soon as I, they hit, I get a notification. I'm like, oh my God, it's out. Right. And I sit there and I look at it downloading on my phone. 
And if I'm in Pittsburgh, which is where I am right now, it's like it just goes and it just downloads. Whereas when I'm at my home, it's like five percent. Yeah. And 10 percent. And if you're on a dial up like connection, <laughs> it's not going to matter whether the media is on SoundCloud or Blueberry or SiteGround right. because your own Internet connection is so slow that right. you can't take advantage of the bandwidth. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about this stat stuff that you were alluding to here, um, which is the, um, yeah, yes, please, please. What? My, <laughs> yeah, that's, Dude. that's what some of these, uh, hosting companies probably thought what? of my data. Yeah. When I tested this, I wrote a program to test this and it was running on these servers. It's a bot, plain and simple, a bot downloading these episodes. And I got curious, okay, I've downloaded these episodes hundreds of times, in some cases thousands of times from some of these hosts. I wonder how many of those downloads they actually counted in their stats. And I found some shocking things. Oh, I can't wait to hear. Shocking, shocking. Thank you, Elsie. (laughs) (laughs) As you could expect, the, the leading industry leading companies did not track the downloads at all. Like Libsyn, Blueberry, Buzzsprout, Captivate, Podbean, a bunch of these companies that have been around for a long time and really refined their algorithms counted zero downloads. Why do you think that is? Fantastic. It could be that either they recognized the behavior as a bot because my bot wasn't declaring any kind of user agent. Like it wasn't saying I'm a podcast app downloading this file. It, it didn't say that. It's just, I'm downloading this file. That's all right. it communicated. So okay. these services probably filtered that out. They might have even had the IP addresses of my servers on blacklists, like knowing, okay, this is, this is a web hosting IP address. No human is using this IP address, so let's not count any downloads from this IP address. That could be something else that they're doing. And, and this is all part of following and being certified by the IAB download guidelines is to know that there's this blacklist of these are known IP addresses where we shouldn't count downloads from this because these are bots or these are servers. So maybe there was some of that going on. Maybe they recognize the behavior as bots. I think that some of the servers, some of the providers who counted some of the downloads, that was acceptable, not best, but acceptable that they only counted one download per bot and every bot downloaded the file at least 10 times, maybe a hundred times or more in some cases. But if it counted only one download from my bot, I thought, okay, that's acceptable. And like Anchor, Podigy, Podserve.fm, Red Circle, Simplecast, and Spreaker all counted one or fewer downloads per bot. But the bad guys. Oh, no. Should I name the bad guys on this? Yes, go ahead. Show, share. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah. and this information could change. So before you cite the information I quote in this podcast, go back to the episode and article on my website, and the link will be in Elsie's and Jess's show notes. Go back to that to make sure that you're quoting up-to-date data. So right now, the semi-bad guys are Audioboom, iVox, Podient, and SoundCloud all counted more than one download per bot. Oh, my like 32 or 24. Uh, I don't know why 24. It's just an odd number there. But So they counted more than one download per bot. Then these four companies, and I contacted these companies before I published the data. I let them know about this vulnerability. And three of the four have uh, gotten back with me to say thank you. 
and that they're working on improving this to filter out bots. But these four companies, Fireside, Pippa, Podcast.co, and Podmeo, counted every single fake download. And once I noticed Mm -hmm. that, then I thought, I wonder what I could do with this. So I... I set up my bot to download the episode a thousand times in 15 minutes. And then I looked at the stats and made sure to give the stats even 24 hours to make sure that they had enough time to to refresh. And all four of these companies counted all of those 1,000 fake downloads in their stats. Aha! I knew it! Sorry. I knew it. Now, the (laughs) Fireside, Pippa, and Podcast.co are working on changes. Well, Fireside and Podcast.co, that no, is. but I knew they were all still counting differently. Like, the IAB yeah. has made all these, like, rules about how to count, and it's still a complete free-for-all. You still can't trust any measurement of a download. I've been saying that all along. Well, I hate to be like, oh, I'm totally right, but, like, I just... You know, whenever I talk about stats with other people, I always say no matter what your IAB compliant or not, you have to sell on something else because you're not really selling a download because everyone's going to count it differently. Well, that's why there's the IAB certification, right? But which Lipson is going through. Uh, is that, it st- that's at least what that's trying to do, even if we're not in agreement that it does measure every person. And they're trying to define what a legitimate download is with the IAB download guidelines. But at least what the certification is doing is that they are saying, yes, all of these companies that are certified, not just claiming compliance, but that are certified is that a third party company has gone through and said, yes, you are following the measurement guidelines. So among the certified companies, you would expect to see the numbers with very little variation. So if you went from Blueberry to Lipson, your numbers are going to look about the same. And did they did you verify that they looked about the same? Uh, with some other stuff, yes, I've seen that Libsyn and Blueberry, because I use both Libsyn and Blueberry's tracking services. I know. That's why I'm asking. They're pretty and similar, though, right? Right now? Yeah, they're, they're very close. Okay. Uh, but some of these other companies are significantly different. And like Pippa, what they, and Pippa, I think, really doesn't like me because of this article. Their <laughs> default option was vulnerable, where they counted every single bot download. And by the way, 1,000 per 15 minutes in 24 hours, I could boost a podcast by 100,000 downloads in 24 hours. Can we talk uh, later, Can we Daniel? talk after this? <laughs> John, I damn am, it. I am Stop professional podcast promoter. I can has your podcast, number one yeah, in I iTunes. I know, exactly. You can has my podcast anytime you want, Daniel. <laughs> no, but, and I think what Daniel clarified something there, though, Jess, because I understand what you're talking about and regarding, you know, measuring again, expanding what that would be for your audience, because Daniel was talking about defining like what the IAB is doing is defining what a download is so that we can all be on the same page. We're not this. That doesn't mean download equals human. Right. Right. Because for whatever reason, we as podcasters and I'm saying we even though I don't do this, but we seem to equate that when we look at our download numbers, we say, Oh gosh, I got 10. That's 10, 10 people. people. Right. Right. And that's not that's not what we're counting here. We're talking about downloads. It's again, it's a it's a it's one part of a measurement definition that gives you an idea of what your audience is, but it doesn't define your audience. So you can't just turn it really just turn to somebody and go like I my podcast has 10 my my audience is 10. That's I know that for sure. No. No, you never you will. You don't. 
You don't you don't know that for sure based on your download numbers. The one thing people always say is like even with IAB complacency, compliance, certification. Thank you. You still can't really tell the listens based on people who will download the MP3 and listen to it at another time. Is that true? Like, can you speak a little bit to defining a download with those parameters? Yeah, we don't know for sure what happens after a download. Now, some apps, and it's only the apps that can track this, like Apple Podcasts. If you log into your podcastsconnect.com account with Apple and look at your stats, they are showing you what the newest podcast Apple Podcast apps are able to track, and that's actual consumption. Okay. But Overcast, for example, or Pocket Cast, or many of these other independent podcast apps aren't tracking what happens after the file is downloaded. They could, if they implemented that technology, they could easily track that and report that back, but they don't. So it's kind of a black box. But the nice thing is there are other ways you can know that that episode is being consumed. For one thing, like Edison Research in their share of ear and the podcast consumer report has shown that people listen to almost all or all of the episode that they download. There's a three hour podcast I listen to. It's by Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak. Three hours comes out twice a week. I listen to that podcast faithfully. I listen to all but the last few minutes because the last few minutes are a techno remix. So even though I'm listening to three hours of it, I would say that's one where I listen to almost all of the episode. Right. But what can happen on the the statistics side is that many of these apps will pause downloading new episodes if you don't interact with the episodes you've already downloaded from that show. So if let's assume that you put out 10 episodes no one who subscribed to your audience listens to those 10 episodes. You would see your download stats go down because the podcast apps would start pausing the subscriptions and stop downloading new episodes. But because we see the podcast consumption consistently going up, then we know people are engaging with these episodes. So they are continuing to download it. It's different from like a magazine. These companies, you know, send you magazines until you're dead. They don't care if you're reading them, or they don't seem to care. They don't know if you're reading them. It's not something like if you stop reading the magazine, it just automatically stops being delivered to you. But that is something we have in podcasting. So that trend does help us to know a little bit that the media is still being consumed. It's just interesting because, I don't know, I just feel like people think that podcast media and downloads should be measured like television and really they it's digital media and it should be measured like banner clicks you know that you have to kind of take your results with a grain of salt and realize that there are robots and bots and uncountables and immeasurables that go along with it but instead they are they think that like each podcast host is like a nielsen box and it's not well and the iab guidelines are trying to get closer to knowing that this number of downloads is most likely humans downloading it. And that's what they're trying to do. Just like with Google, with the search engine, Google is trying to make it work more like what humans would want it to do. And I think we're doing that same thing with the IAB guidelines is trying to get to the point where as much as is scientifically possible and technologically possible at this point, that one download probably equals a human and is probably not a bot. And that's why we're trying to get those standards. But like with Pippa, 
of, of their results, at least right now, their default behavior tracked every single download, but they have this little switch buried inside of the advanced settings where you can change how your stats are measured. You can change it from uh, no window. They call it analytics windowing, where they say that if there are multiple downloads from the same IP address within this certain amount of time, either no amount of time or one hour or 24 hours to either count those multiple downloads or not count them. Pippa's default behavior is to count every single download, regardless of how quickly it's downloaded. But you can change that to one hour. So if a, de- if a podcast is downloaded a thousand times from the same IP address in one hour, that would count as one. Or you can change it to 24 hours. And that it's even changeable, and, and I've been going back and forth with the Pippa CEO about this, that it's changeable means you can't trust it. Because you could have three podcasts with the exact same audience, right. but those options being different for each one and have radically different numbers between those. So they're they're shooting themselves in the foot to say that their numbers are reliable by letting people change how their tracking is measured. Sorry, Pippa. I know. And especially when like when somebody's doing a sponsorship stuff based on download numbers, if you know, you find out where they're hosted and you're like, oh. I don't know. But mind you, that information, I don't think sponsors really have. And talking about sponsors, what if, so let's say I'm hosting on Pippa. I set the number to only track for a download per IP address within 24 hours, but then I get a sponsor. So then I think, oh, I want to boost my sponsorship numbers. So then I Mm. go and change that windowing option in Pippa and it's, it's not retroactive. It only applies to future download stats. So I could go change that for the duration of that sponsor and then get some bots downloading the file and and even just the other illegitimate downloads that would already start being tracked. And I could go back to the sponsor and say, look, I got all of these downloads and then flip it back later. That kind of option is possible with a place like Pippa. And that means you just, you can't trust it. Oh, ouch. I agree. That's really crazy. Oh my well, God, Daniel! Thank you for doing this research because it's very eye-opening, and I mean, no one else could really do it with quite as much enthusiasm or as or a plum as you. So, or as much audacity. <laughs> yes, that's right. You've done it with, with as much audacity, with audacity. So, thank you for that. So, if you guys want to know a little bit more about all his data, the article that you'll find a link in the show notes. Not only does it have all the words and all the pictures, but you can also hear him speak and you can listen to him as he's going. Like he is like his own little Kindle Kindle version. Like you can follow <laughs> along with the written thing and you can listen to like the audiobook version. Yeah, he's something <laughs> all right, that Daniel. <laughs> like, all the things. And like Gary Vaynerchuk, sometimes I go off script. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Crazy. So, but you guys... Check, check, <laughs> check it out and get a little bit more educated, especially around download numbers and what that means. But I have one last question before we move on to tool tips here, uh, Daniel. So, you know, the subtitle of the episode was, and does it really matter? So what are your thoughts about that? Does it really matter uh, about uh, podcast speeds? I know you kind of addressed it, but I kind of want to get the in general conclusion. If you're hosting with a podcast media hosting company where they distribute your media across the internet, across the world, I think in general, between the podcast hosting companies, it doesn't matter all that much. 
but this does certainly show that it matters whether you're hosting on your own web hosting company or a podcast media host. Definitely, for the sake of speed and bandwidth, you need to be on a podcast media host. Beyond that, as I say in the article, it's kind of a moot point because most of us have our apps where it downloads automatically in the background. So whether it downloads in one second or five seconds, it probably doesn't matter as much as you might think. All right. Thank you, Daniel. Yes, thank you so much. And now we're moving on to some tool tips. Elsie's tool tips. <laughs> Yay, so that was so slow, slow. right, Daniel? It was. <laughs> So I added this in here because I got excited because I like to test things out. I don't know. Have you have any of you guys played with this app? It's called the bullet, the bullet app. I played with it a little bit. I just downloaded it so I can play with it. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not sure you're going to be able to do it. No, I didn't say that. You babysitter. Just (laughs) I just said I downloaded it. Everyone thinks they got a fucking babysit. Oh, sorry, Daniel. Everyone thinks they have to babysit me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I just proved them right, for Pete's sake. <laughs> Seriously, they think I'm just going to be like, let me see if I can snip some audio while we're recording. Dooty dooty doo. Hey, John, has she done that? I have in the not past? done. In some degree, in some degree, has she done something? She'll like start that? talking and she'll say, hold on, let me look this up. And I'm like, in the middle of the podcast. That's not the same as me just playing a podcast while we're trying to record. I mean, that's just you an have insult. done that, that dude. You've never, hey, never. I have seen you grab it and then you turn it on and it's like, oh, oh, hold on, hold on. And you start but pressing the stop. But I'm not playing stop. actual audio and snipping it while we're recording. Hold no, on, okay. hold on. No. Jessica, have you or have you not ever grabbed your phone, started playing audio and held it up to the microphone? And That's for the purpose of letting you hear audio. That's different. Just saying. I hate <laughs> both of you right now. <laughs> Both of you. You're my only <laughs> All right, friend so on let's talk podcast. about the bullet app. Maybe we can snip that, and that would be a sad little snippet. So okay, so let me let me give you let me give you the scoop as to why this this app kind of excited yes, me. So please. you know we've been talking about Overcast and Castro um, having this capability of adding audio clips snippets that you can share through social media, and the way that particularly the overcast clipping feature for me is a game changer for actual growth for audiences because what it does is it provides this snippet, but it also provides essentially a time-coded share of the direct link to the audio file. So if you want to continue listening to beyond the snippet, you can totally do that with one post, which is awesome. And I love that because that actually does get people to continue listening to the show or at minimum go directly to the show and possibly subscribe or listen to a different show. Um, but this, but, but but the thing is, most apps don't provide that functionality. And this is a user-ended type of app. And so the bullet app, what it does is that you add it like you, you know, you obviously you download it to iOS and then you allow it to share in the little share menu within iOS so that you can share in like it t- shows you how to do that. And then when you're in your app of choice, whichever that might be, Apple Podcast or Castor or Overcast or Pocket Cast or whatever, Stitcher or any of those things, you can then share in like you can literally tap on your app and share in and it opens up the bullet app and it gives you the option to grab a snippet 
and share it via social media. The bonus thing that it does is that it also transcribes the little snippet and you can put it out there. It's so awesome. I thought that was I thought that was really kind of neat. For the general public, this is a useless app. But for podcasters, it's actually quite smart because you pull in your own show. You find the one place where you're hilarious and brilliant. And then you share it amongst all your socials. And then everyone gets like a little tasty of your podcast and then they go listen to it. But like if you were just a listener, what incentive would you have to do this for like lore or something? Do you know what I mean? Like, Well, you do that. I mean, you have seen it like... um a lot of the overcast people have been using the overcast things too. And if somebody that's your li- a listener shares a snippet, that's the golden ticket right there. Because that's when people are actually going to listen. It's not when you share your own show, when, which is well, I guess my that's thing. true. Unless you're me, and then everyone. Well, yeah. I, to my... Yesterday, I was listening to another podcast, and that's the first thing I'm like, I want to share what this is saying. Like, I want to share what this is saying. Like, I immediately thought, like, oh, this is the easiest way for me to share because I'm a podcast listener. Right. So there's times when I listen to so many things that I want to share. This to me seems like the one that takes out a lot, a lot of the friction out. You're right. But let me tell you what's bad about it though can i tell you yeah what's bad? please the the transcription is horrible oh no yeah it's really bad can you edit it though nope boo i know no editing so you just have to nope. deal with whatever crazy yeah. mispronounced unpunctuated boomer crap that it yeah <laughs> comes out with okay yes oh, so man. we i mean if we can all reach out to the bullet people and say Dude, you guys, let us edit this, please. Because, like, I, I just shared a snippet from Advanced TV Herstory where she mentioned my name. She called me a legend, and I was very, very excited by that. So then, like, I shared it in on Twitter. Super easy. Just when she's talking, she said, like, she called me a legend. And I thought, oh, my God, this is so great. What a great snippet to share for people. And then it said, and then when she mentions her show, it said Advanced TB Her- Herstory, like, with a D. Oh, and that's when... <laughs> Oh, my God, TD. I know. So I was like, "Mm." Mm. I still shared it, but you can't edit that. it's awkward. And it's awkward. You know what else I don't like about it? What? Why don't you like? It's not on Android. (gasps) Wow. Daddy misses his Apple. Wow. I'm so not going to feel bad for you whenever you fetch about Android because this was your silly choice. Android are people too. No, they're not. None of them are people. Android users. They're people too. They're not people. You're animals. All of you. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm really invested in Apple now, so I'm never going back. In fact, I do believe long ago we got stock in Apple, and this is probably why, so that I could just bash Android whenever I had the chance. What really separates this from Clamor from a few years ago? Yeah, good question. Uh, Clamor was its a standalone app. This is not a standalone, meaning a sta- you can open You can record Clamor. into it. Yeah, you can record into Clamor and you can open Clamor and look at Clamor. You don't record this into is, Bullet. And you don't, this is not an app that you open up. Like you, the only, meaning you don't go into it and open it, I don't think. No, well, you do. Look it at is it. a standalone app you have to install on your Clamor, you could device. make... I mean, you could make content just for Clamor, whereas Bullet is something where when you're listening, you hit the share button and then you share it to Bullet and then Bullet uses the thing and then you send it out. Kind of like you could also do with Clamor. Well, no, but (laughs) yeah, but you you can also make standalone content in Clamor. Yeah. You know what it's kind of like? Do you know the um, app repost for Instagram? 
Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like that. You exactly. can really only use repost if you're using the other app to repost something. It's kind of like that, right? Yes. Yeah. And so you can see your own stuff. So you go in there and you see what you like in repost. Right. It's a you great, a that's a great example. Thank you. You can go back to the repost app and look at the stuff you've reposted. So in the bullet app, you can go back and look at the stuff that you've bulleted, I guess. But you don't like nobody else can. It's not a. Does that make sense? It's not there. Yeah, it's not a a standalone. I can see the wheels turning in his mind, so I know. I know. (laughs) It's also limited to only fifteen seconds. Yeah, which is you got to be real smart or real funny. Wait a minute. That's one right there. You can only pull that for fifteen. That's useless. Podcasters can't say anything in fifteen seconds. Daniel, I bet Daniel, if he could move his eyes, he could do Morse code to other people. <laughs> like, um, who does that? Who Who's the guy that used to do that? Uh, the smarty pants. This is me not know. having enough room in my brain. The guy who just died and he was very smart and he was a professor and oh, he was in a wheelchair. Oh, you're talking about um, Stephen Hawking? Thank yes. you. Yes. That's how he's communicated, right? With his eyeballs. He would look at the letters. You guys not aware yes, of that? Yes, but not with other people. I mean, he would kind of, yeah, look at the letters in the computer on the screen, but yeah. not to the and other And then it would human. talk for him. Well, yes, yes, yes. What do you okay. mean not to other humans? To whom? Meaning, like, <laughs> I, th- I think what you were talking about with Daniel is that if he looked at, like, you know, like. Yeah, but then we would not get the memo. That's because we don't know Morse code, but smart people who knew it would understand. He's saying, help me, get me off this podcast. We just don't know because we're not that smart. Um, All right. Anyway. Okay. So, I mean, it's a 50-50 with this bullet app, right, at this moment. I'm not sure. I like the idea. I think it has legs. They need to develop it. And I hope that it they add more time. I hope that they can edit the um, transcription for sure, like 100%. And then they are able to also allow me to change the color because it gives you a random color every time that you post it. And sometimes you don't want that color. You want a different color. And I can't pick the color. It just gives you a color. I don't even know why it's picking the color. So those are the things. I am finished with my tool tips here. Um, so Jess, we are taking it now off. And you you can close it up with whatever updates you have to give us about Sheepy live and um all the other things are you ready i'm ready and now an update on she podcast live okay on to the update for she podcast live so this past week we are still accepting you know the invitations for speaking we're starting to get the schedule up on the website ShePodcastLive.com. we have all the speakers up on the website i believe by now i'm starting to put the events up there we have a now a sponsor for our kickoff party. Midroll is going to sponsor our opening Woo-wee! party on the 10th floor atrium. So thank you so much, Midroll. And we'll get back to you about that. They also are providing us with some, I think I told you guys this last time, some live entertainment Friday night. So we now have entertainment from, should I mention it now or should I wait? Wait. Okay. Well, I'll just say from a show on Midroll and, a sh- and some people with PRX as well. So that should be really interesting. You had the July 4th thing. You had <gasps> yes, the July we had 4th another ticket giveaway. Thing. Right. We had another ticket giveaway for July 4th. Um, so people who could not do the BFF giveaway gave away uh, tickets for the Freedom for Freedom Day because podcasting offers so much freedom. And then we had a price up increase. So 
<sighs> we had a little bit of a price increase and that's probably going to happen once a month at the end of the month. So if you want to get your tickets, pretty much anytime you get your tickets going to be the last time that price is there. So you may as well just buy them now. Otherwise, it's just going to keep on climbing. So that's a good idea. Oh, also, I wanted to mention that at the end of the month, July 26th to the 31st, Emily Prokop, Chris Kremitzos, and I are going to be at the National Speakers Association Conference. Um, they have one huge conference every summer. This summer is in Denver, Colorado. It's called Influence. And we're hoping to see those of you who are speakers and maybe talk to you a little bit about coming to the event and starting a podcast. And if you've been thinking about it, I think I feel like speakers are the perfect podcasters because they're already articulate and eloquent, which is something that some podcasters have to learn because really they only know about like breeding dogs or whatever, you know, but then <laughs> they want to show and then they don't realize they have a speech impediment or like a stutter or like a, oh, I mean, not that that matters, but I had a speech impediment. I learned about a speech impediment when I first started. It was very strange. I still have it, right, John? I have like three. Yes. According to John, I have three. One is that I start every sentence with... Um. I still um? Constantly. No, I don't. He's lying. Listen back to this, you guys. You'll hear I don't um at all. No, you won't. That's why I do. That's what I do. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's why John is a job. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, we're going to be at National Speaking um, Conference, and then we're also going to be at Podcast <laughs> Movement. What? Did I say um again? No, I didn't. Word. <laughs> I did not. I really don't even know I'm doing it now. Shit. Now I have to be more conscious of it. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> She's on an endless cycle. I am. So anyway, I'm not sure what else we should talk about as far as the event. Oh, we, I think, hired an audiovisual person who's going to give us a gorgeous stage. This is a company that does, it's out of, they're out of Orlando, but they do huge, huge conferences and they sent me some ideas for the stage. And look like, Elsie, it's like, it's like columns with like cut, circle cutouts and they're all different and colors. Goats? Like no goats, but maybe we'll have some goats. <laughs> Do I need to do like goat, like wallpaper stickers? You need to have like goats hidden everywhere. So like that's going to be like the thing that uh, there has to be little baby goats hiding. Do you think maybe you could be on the goats and I could just do okay. that? No, I'll, I'll do my best. But like, no, I wanted it to be like um, very modern and there's going to be columns with like cutout circles and they're going to be lit up in all different LED lights. And we're going to have, I hopefully, I think our logo in lights on the wall and some purple and pinks and teals and it's going to look really pretty kind of like our branding Yay. looks really pretty um so i'm really excited in fact i've started thinking about what kind of clothes i should wear to match our staging yeah dude we're not going to be talking clothing right now we got to wrap know. this up and if we start talking about clothing we will not end i know episode. you're right you're right so Anyway, I just wanted to say things are going along swimmingly. I am still focused on sponsors. And in fact, if you are listening and you're from Atlanta and you have a favorite boutique or a little store that you think would benefit from giving away some swag in our VIP swag bags, samples of, you know, women's things, makeup and, and you know, fun little doodles that we could give away to our VIPs, that would be amazing. Please email me just at shepodcast.com. I'd love to... You know, if, if you know a chocolatier or someone who, you know, just whatever, who can offer a service while the women are in town, I would love to promote them in the swag bag. 
we need some swag bag sponsors um, and I'll be looking for those as well as other sponsors for the rest of the year but just you know if you're in Atlanta and you're listening and you have a favorite or if you own a company that might want to donate to the swag bag please let me know other than that I think we're diggity done all right thank you guys so much for listening to she podcasts um, if you want to look at our show notes, it's at ShePodcast.com. If you want to take it to ShePodcast Live, it's ShePodcastsLive.com. If you want to find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we are at ShePodcast. And our free group, if you're not in it and you are not male, oops, sorry, it is Facebook.com <laughs> forward slash groups forward slash ShePodcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Love you. Mean it. Bye. <laughs> And then we actually have a tooltip for you. So off we go, I guess. Um, what do you want to talk about first, Else? Oh, hold on. What? He has to, he has for to put- the oh. informed podcaster. <laughs> podcasting news. I have like one job here. Can I do it, please? Well, your job is to sit there and look pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? Ooh, I'm ready. And now an update on She Podcast Live. Wow, that was loud. <laughs> Why is that he was really screaming? Loud. Are you ready? Why is he, he screaming? You loved it two weeks ago. <laughs> I don't, I probably was, was I probably crapped in my pants when I heard it and ran away. <laughs> like I, like I didn't, I thought maybe it was an accident maybe. And then I had an accident. <laughs> Sorry, no, I can't even say I'm that. I have to go for audio. I have audio where you say, oh, I love that. Okay, I don't remember, but it's fine. It just was a little frightening this time.